Well, welcome everybody to Easter Sunday at Rise Church. You are in uh, the third of our four services we're doing this weekend. We've already had a few hundred people this weekend just for our Easter experience. And so, man, I'm just so happy to see everybody here in your Easter best. Y'all look great. I bought a pink tie, so I look like I sell Mary Kay. And so uh, it's going to be awesome today. You're going to love it. Man, if you're a guest with us for the very first time, man, we're so honored that you are here. You need to know this, that we actually designed our services for you. We design this on a regular basis, honestly, uh, on the weekend for you. We don't design our church to make you feel like when you walk in this place, you're an outsider. We design it so that you can find a a relationship with God and a relationship with others. We use the language spiritual family. And so our goal is to make sure that you feel belong. And so you are here on purpose. You're here not on accident. We're so happy that you came out today. Uh, But whether you are maybe a guest Maybe you're a friend of the church, which I would classify, hey, you come maybe once every once in a while, you're a friend of our church, or maybe you're truly family, you're here, and this is your home, and and I'm your pastor, and this is your church, and you found like you belong. No matter who you are, we're all in here for a reason. But you have to ask yourself this question, why are you here? Like, why are you sitting in here? Why are you in this place? Why in this church at this time, in this moment, in this city? Why are you here? Because the truth is, you could be anywhere. Look, San Antonio doesn't lack for things to do. I'm not even from here. I'm from California. Don't hold that against me. But I've realized in San Antonio, there's a lot of stuff going on, man. Fiesta's going on right now. How many of y'all enjoying Fiesta so far? I mean, like, it's awesome. You just walk around, and it's like an excuse to act crazy. You're like, well, sorry, it's Fiesta. You know, it's like you run into people. Sorry, it's Fiesta. You know, you just act crazy. You know, there's the, the Spurs. You got them going on, you know, and I don't know what happened to them last night. God help us. You know, we're not losing to the Nuggets, but I, it's terrible. And so, but it, there's a lot going on, but why are you here? Like, why are you in here, there was a man who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, a man by the name of Paul, and he writes uh, in the back half of this Bible, there's a, there's a kind of a back third that we call the New Testament. And in the New Testament, he, Paul writes this letter. It's really a letter to a people who live in Rome. And guess what the letter is called? Romans. Yeah, you guessed it. And so he, he writes this letter called Romans, and he, he's writing to answer that question. Why are we here? And he writes to these scholars believe in uh, these Gentile believers, new converts, new Christians. And Gentile simply means they did not grow up Jewish. And so if you're not Jewish, you didn't grow up Jewish, uh, you and I would, and you follow Jesus, you and I would be what we would classify as Gentile. So think about this. He's writing to us, our type of person inside of Rome. And the reason he's writing is because he's about to go to Rome. So he's kind of sending this letter ahead. He's saying, hey, I'm going to come and I'm going to talk to you about some things. And most scholars believe that Romans is really a clear theological depiction of really our relationship with God. So Paul's kind of outlining, hey, hey, you guys need to know how this thing works with you and God. And he writes why we gather in Romans chapter 5. So if you have your Bibles, go up to Romans chapter 5. We're going to start in verse 6 and end in verse 8. And if not, we're going to put it up on the screens. We're also going to have it on our YouVersion Bible app. I actually give you my notes ahead of time so you can download the YouVersion Bible app and search in the event section for our church. Uh, but if not, we'll put it up on the screens. And the Bible says this in Romans chapter 5. Again, Paul addressing why we gather. He says, you see it just the right time. Everybody say right time. Come on, look at your neighbor like you're happy to be here on Sunday morning. Say, right time. All right, right time. He says, when we were still powerless, other translations would say, utterly helpless. 
That's important. We're going to come back to that. Christ died for the ungodly. And then Paul does something in verse 7. I think he does it uh, interesting because I feel like he thinks we miss it. We don't quite understand it. We don't get what happened. He says, here's what happens. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. So what he's saying is, he goes, look, God died for the ungodly, the unrighteous. But at the end of the day, here's how amazing that is. Even good people would struggle to die for other good people. We had the best person die for the worst person. That's pretty amazing. And then he ends on verse 8, and he says this, and this is where we're going to land today, where we're going to kind of be for the next couple of moments. He said, but God shows his love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Romans chapter 5, verse 8. If you're taking notes today, the title of the message this Easter weekend is God's plan. God's plan. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you, Lord, for today. We thank you for Easter Sunday. In so many ways, God, we are here for you. God, I celebrate, we celebrate this church, this body, this gathering of believers celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. And Holy Spirit, today, I pray that you would do something unique to the message, God. Today, you would speak to us in a way that you've maybe never spoken to us. Holy Spirit, you do something with the words. That you would not make this moment informational. You would make this moment transformational. Open our hearts. Open our minds. Open our spirits to receive from you today in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen. How many of you would say in here you are a parent and you're proud of it? Raise your hand if you are a parent. Yeah, like you're, you're not, some of you like halfway up, you're unsure. You're, if you're unsure, that's a problem. I'm a parent. I have five boys. And how many of y'all know being a parent is not always easy? Come on. How many y'all, can I get a name? I need some parents to like amen me up in here, all right? I don't know if you're like, this is not one of those quiet churches. We don't sit there and just kind of go, mm, you know, I want to hear, uh-huh, yeah, pastor, preach, white boy. You know, I want anything. I don't care. Uh, this is my family. I got five boys. I tried for girls. It did not happen. I ask, I tell people, here's why. I'm just too manly. I mean, can't you tell? <laughs> Pink tie. And so he, uh, you know, I, had a, I have five boys. These are my twins, Riley and Kellen. I think that's, that's Kellen, I th- and then I think that's Riley. They're identical, y'all. All right, don't hold it against me. It's uh, two of them. They came out. I don't know. How was, that was an interesting surprise. There's Titus. He's, uh, he's, my eight, he's eight now, and then this is the, this is the one we got to look out for. Judah, he's just, I'm telling, I don't know what he is. I'm still asking the Lord. And then we have five, and you're like, there's only four. You can't count. No, no, I can't. There's one. He's tiny. He's, he's between me kissing my, my lady, and uh, she's my wife. She's incredible. You saw her already. Uh, I love being a dad. But I've noticed that being a dad is hard because, you know, what's interesting is that when you're a dad and you're a parent, you have to seem to keep your kids uh, entertained. Anybody else struggle with keeping your kids entertained? You know, summer is even the worst because when you go into school year, you at least get some break from them for like a few hours throughout the day. And in the summertime, you don't. In the summertime, you're, 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 you're stuck. It's like the school says, now they're your problem, you know? And, and so now you, we, we, they're home all day long. And inside of the home all day long, look, for one kid, it's hard. For two kids, it's hard. But for five, cinco, that's a lot, right? And, and so in our house on the summer, spend the summertime, we do something. We try to kind of keep them entertained. So we take them to the park and, you know, we'll, we'll, we make up, make up games. We make them play outside on the trampoline. And, you know, we have them. We want to get their energy out because here's why. When the energy gets out, mom and dad can rest, right? How many of y'all know what I'm talking about? And one of the, my favorite things is taking them places. And then when you go home, y'all, y'all know what heaven sounds like? 
is when you take your kids someplace and then you drive home and then you know there's that interesting sound that comes from the back when you drive home later at night. It's the sound of silence. And they're asleep. Sometimes my wife and I will drive home from places and they're like asleep and we don't want to go home because we might wake them up. So we just drive around in the parking lot. We don't have anything to do. We just, this is incredible. It's quiet. And I remember during the summertime, what we like to do is take our kids to the the pool. Now, how many of y'all take your kids to the pool, right? Y'all don't take your kids to the pool. What's interesting about the pool is that you can't go to the pool and just go to the pool. You have to prepare to go to the pool, uh, especially with five kids. So for me and my wife, we typically starts at the house and, okay, go get changed. And after five hours of them figuring out what they want to wear, and that's not a swimsuit. And no, no, you can't go naked. That's underwear. You know, it's like, come on. And so they put their swimsuits on. And then you got to lather them up with multiple layers of sunscreen, right? You know, you're like, okay, we don't want them to get burned. And so now they're layered up with sunscreen. And then, you know, we're like getting their towels. And you got to have the right towels and the right amount of towels. You got to have an extra towel because inevitably one of my kids throws a towel in the pool. That's not a towel toy. And so then we're like, okay, and then we got to get all the towel, all the toys, put them all into, into this big, gigantic beach bag. And so you put all the toys in there, and all the toys you're going to lose, and all the toys you're going to fight with another parent about that. Like, that's my kid's toy. Like, no, his name's not on it. And they all look the same. They all look the same. And so, you know, we get all the toys together, and then now we have to do the, the inevitable. We have to make them food. Because you can't take your kids anywhere without food. Does anybody else like that? Like, I mean, I don't know if girls, little girls eat a lot. Do they? I don't know. Help me out. Do the girls eat a lot? Well, let me just tell you, they don't eat as much as boys. These, they they don't have a bottom. There's no, there's no basement. They just eat. So we have to make like 75 sandwiches. So all the sandwiches go in there. And so you get into the pool and it's like, all right, so I'm getting in there. So we get them all into the car. And, and then I have my, you know, I'm getting out. And I, I look like the quintessential dad, right? I got the big old sombrero hat, you know, the, keeping the sun out. I got the, the zinc oxide on my nose. I got the dad sandals that have the straps. Come on, guys. Y'all know what I'm saying? Like, I used to think those weren't cool until I had kids. And I'm like, I need the sandals to stay on my feet. And so I have dad sandals. I'm walking out. And I got the beach bag. And I got the towel and I got the food and I got the little tiny two-year-old squidget. I got to keep him on my shoulder because I don't need, you know, I don't know what's going to happen to him. I'm going to hold him. And we walk into the pool and we're, you know, we save the, the seats because those are hard to get. We're in the seat area. It's just, it's a lot. And, and I remember one time I took my kids to this pool and Titus at the time, he was uh, three. He was three years old. He's running and walking and he was kind of learning to talk, and I looked down at him, and I looked away for a moment, and I was putting the stuff down, and then I heard that sound, and it was the sound of a splash, and I, and I knew my, my son Titus didn't know how to swim, and I looked over, and I see my son. He's in the water in the deep end of the pool. Because he was so excited, he didn't get his floaties on. He didn't get his safety things on. No one was watching him. He jumped into the pool, and, and in an instant, he was in over his head. It's an interesting story because it would seem like that's you and me at times. Because I'd venture to say that some of us in here, Some of us are in way over our heads. Some of us in here, we feel like we're caught in something we just don't know how we're going to get out of. Come on. Some of us in here, you might feel like you're so lost. You're so far gone. You're so far away. There's no way 
that God, there's no way that man, there's no way anybody can find you. You're, you're too lost. It's too, it's too much. It's too much. Some of you feel like you're in a situation and you're stuck in a situation. You're stuck in a relationship. You're stuck in a financial situa- situation. You're stuck in a job. You're stuck in something and, you, and you're just like laying at, in bed at night wondering how on earth, come on, right? How on earth is, am I going to make myself? I don't know how I'm going to get out of this. We are literally grasping for air, trying really hard under water. And Paul kind of highlights this problem and solution with God in Romans chapter 5. There's three characters in this God's plan that I wanted to highlight today. The first is, is this. If you're taking notes, the first is this. The first character is God the Holy. He mentions it in, in Romans chapter 5, verse 8. He says, Our, but God shows his love. There's this God. There's this incredible, amazing, holy God who is showing us his Love, that's the first character. And honestly, most, world, most of the world doesn't really, de- there's not a lot of debate about God's holiness. Because even if you don't believe in God, if you said like, well, I guess if there is a God, you probably wouldn't debate on whether or not he was holy. You would think, man, honestly, by definition, if he's God, he's got to be pretty amazing. Like, he's got to be pretty awesome. I mean, I would consider him being holy since he is God. So there's not a lot of whole debate about God's holiness, except we don't really understand what holiness is. Bible even shares with us, and they give us a word inside of the Hebrew language from the writers who penned the, the, the kind of Old Testament Bible. There's a holy word uh, that means in Hebrew means kadash. And in Hebrew, this means, this is what it means. This is how the, the definition literally means. Kadash literally means other. So when they were calling God holy in Hebrew, they were trying to figure out the word to describe his holiness, and they couldn't figure it out, so what they made was the word kadash, and it was other. So what they were saying to you and I, what well, might not make sense to, the, to, to us, but it made sense to them. What they were really saying was is that no matter how great you think God is, he is actually better. He's other. That you can't describe him, you can't, you know, figure him out, you don't really know how holy he is. We can try, and so our best attempt is to really make a word. We're going to make just a different word. It's going to be kadash, it's other. Whatever you think he is, he's other. Even scholars try, as they walk through the Bible, they use the Latin word, the Latin prefix omni, which meaning all. And so they use all, this omni word, to try to describe the characteristics of God. I'll just share with a few of them. This is the first one, is omniscient. This is all-knowing. There's a God who's so holy, he is all-knowing. Now, if I told you that on the street and I walked up and said, man, God's all-knowing, you'd be like, yeah, that makes sense. He's God. He's smart. God's a smart God. He's smart. No, no, no. He's not smart. God's not smart. God is all-knowing. There's a difference. God's never had to figure it out. God's never had to reason. It's never occurred to God. He's never been surprised. He's never been to study hall. He's never taken a test. He's never had to figure something out. He's never had to go like, wow. He's never been surprised. God's not smart. He's all-knowing. He's other in our minds. There is a huge difference. He's never had to reason. He's never taken counsel. God is omniscient. Second one is he's omnipotent, which means he's, 
He's all-powerful. And if I told you that, you'd be like, Pastor, that makes sense. Yeah, he's strong. Yeah, God makes, yeah, he's a strong God. You know, he's probably pretty strong. He could do whatever. You know, he could lift a lot. You know, no, no, God's not strong. God is all-powerful. There is a difference. God's never been to the gym. He doesn't work out. He's never taken creatine. He's never had a protein shake. He's never counted his calories. He doesn't know what Weight Watchers is. Come on, right? He, he's not strong. He is all-powerful. That God doesn't have to figure how, how to do something. That, that truly, when, we, when we're tired, we rest. When God's done, he, he's, he's, he's done. That's it. That he is truly all-powerful. The last one that they use, this is pretty, he's omnipresent, that he's, he's all-present. He's everywhere. God's never been on a road trip. God's never got, he's never booked a plane ticket, never been on Greyhound, doesn't know what a gas station is, doesn't know how to get to someplace. He's never had to open up Siri and ask her where, how to get someplace. She wouldn't understand anyway because she didn't understand anything. Have you ever asked her, try it. Like, hey, how do I get to Taco Bell? She's, how do I make you not smell? That's not what I said. He's never had to figure out Google Maps. God doesn't go places. He's already there. He's all present. That Paul was literally saying, he's saying, God's so holy. You need to understand this, that you think God's amazing. He's better than you're amazing. He's better than you think he is. Second character in this Romans chapter 5, this is the second character. So you have God, the holy, but then you have man, the sinner. It goes on to say that we were still sinners. We, you and I, mankind, we were sinners, that we were, we were not mistakers. That's different. We're sinners, that we didn't make a mistake, that by our very nature, we got something wrong. And you know what's interesting? There's kind of some debate on this. You know, if you talk to different people, some people would think, well, no, I'm a pretty good person by nature. Some people think I'm pretty bad by nature. Some people, it depends on how you go. Honestly, it probably depends on whether or not they're having a good day. Because if you and I honestly looked objectively at the news right now, you would probably look at the world and kind of go, let's just say this. If say you were an alien and you came down to earth and you turned on the news, didn't matter which one you turned on, you turned on the news and you looked at mankind, you wouldn't think it was great. Think about it. Think about it. even culture is screaming at us. The very nature of mankind is terrible. With all of the wars that you see, with all of the, the terrible injustice that you see, with the mass shootings that you see, with the death and killings that you see, with the disease that you see that seems to all be brought on by mankind. It's kind of hard to make a case that mankind is not, by its very nature, sinful. In fact, the Bible even talks about this a little bit. It says, um, Romans, even Paul goes on to say that no one's righteous, not one. And I'll give you a couple of them. This isn't the exhaustive list, but this is how the Bible really understands and sees mankind. That James chapter 4 says we are at enmity with God, which means we are at war with him. That John chapter 8 says we are slaves to sin. We're trapped in our own sin. John chapter 3 says we are lovers of darkness. Romans chapter 1 says our hearts are sinful. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 3 says we are children of wrath. And you know what, parents in here, you were told that makes sense to you because when your kids came out, you didn't have to teach them to be bad, right? I got a two-year-old. I, from the beginning, when he came out, I was there. Mama had him on our bed. She has him at home. I don't know why, but she has him at home. I saw him. He came out, and just somehow he knows how to say and do crazy things, even at an, at an early age. He doesn't not, no one taught him how to say no. Have you noticed that? You don't have to teach your kids how to be bad. Somehow they know how to punch their brother in the face. 
Somehow they know how to write stuff on the wall, rip things and tear them apart. It's incredible. If you don't think that mankind is sinful, you ain't had a kid. And the interesting thing about it is that God's true nature, God's holiness actually reveals our sinfulness. His true nature reveals our true nature. It's like when I was in high school, I used to throw the baseball. I was actually known. I was a baseball. Anybody play baseball in high school in here? Anybody? We got two. Awesome. I know it's like football country, but you know what? Baseball exists. Okay. Hey. All right. So, and so we're, 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 I'm in high school, and I can throw. I was known in the school to throw really hard. I was a hard, I was a pitcher, and I could throw really hard. And I'm like, you know what? Sign me up. I'm ready to go to the major leagues. Y'all, where are the scouts at? I don't even need to be scouted. Just give me the sign. Where am I going to sign? Put me on a baseball card. I'm ready to sign autographs. I can throw really, really hard. And then we had a major league baseball player come over, and he threw in front of us. And in that moment, I realized, wow. Uh, I'm not as good as I think I am. His true nature, that major leaguer, come on, the guy who knew what he was doing, who was getting paid millions of dollars, this guy was incredible. And his incredibleness showed my non-incredibleness, right? Because I thought I threw fast. And when he threw, I was like, oh, I'm not going to make it. I'm not, I'm not going to make it. And it's the same thing with God, is that God's incredible holiness really reveals our sinful nature, and now we have a problem. And you know what that problem is? Oh, yeah, it's sin. So that's an issue. And so Paul highlights this problem that you and I have, that God, in his incredibleness, he's better than you think he is. And man, in in his sinfulness, we're worse than we think we are. So now we have a problem. And it's sin, and it seems to be always there, and you and I seem like we're in over our heads. So here's what we do. You can fall into one of these categories. One of you, one of us, some of us, what we do is we try to be really, really good. These are, I'm going to make it to heaven, people. I'm going to get into heaven. If it's up to me, it's going to be, I'm getting to heaven. So I'm going to go to church every time I can. I'm going to think about God. I'm going to read the Bible, and I'm going to do nice things, and I'm going to make sure that I check the box off on Facebook so people know I'm a Christian. And I'm going to do all the things that I can do and make sure I have the bumper sticker and make sure I post all these scriptures online. And so what you do and I do, and this is what we all do, we post a great scripture on Facebook and on Instagram, and we talk about how holy we are, and then we walk outside and we treat everybody like trash. Or, or you're the other side. This is the other side. So some of us, we might not want to be so good to get to heaven. Some of us are trying to stay out of hell. We're like, Pastor, look, I'm not sure I'm going to make it to heaven, but I really don't want to go to hell. So, like, how little can I do to make sure I don't make it out in that place? Like, what if I come to church just, like, once or twice a year? I will be a priester for the rest of my life as long as I don't have to go to hell. Christmas and Easter. You know, that's what I'm about Christmas and Easter. I'm going to go to Christmas and Easter. And I'm going to do the, is that the minimum, is that enough to take care of this problem? Or some of you in here, you just ignore the issue altogether. You're like, I'm not sinful, it's all good, I'm going to ignore it. Either way, no matter what camp you fall into, there's still a problem, and God still sends a solution to the problem. And I'm going to close with this. It's, he sends Christ, the rescuer. Jesus, the rescuer. It's the third character in the verse. He says, Christ died for us. Isn't it interesting that when you put Jesus on something, sin disappears? I remember telling earlier in this story, I told you the story of my son at the pool. And, you know, 
in that moment, time slows down when you're looking at your son or your child struggling to make it. So there I am, standing, looking at my son in the deep end of the pool who cannot swim, and I'm looking at him, and I'm watching him struggle, and I'm watching him splash. I remember he would lift his head. I could hear his his breath. He lifted his he would lift his head to get air. Choking. I remember seeing him go under the water. Literally in over his head. And in that moment, I didn't like I did what every parent would do. I threw everything down, and I started running to him. I didn't worry about what was in my pockets, if my phone was in my wallet. I didn't stop to change. I didn't care what other people thought of me. I didn't even really care about the kids that were close to me and were okay. All that mattered, listen, if you checked out, check back in. All that mattered was that my son was drowning, he was in over his head, and if I didn't rescue him, he wasn't going to make it. And I remember running to him, and I remember he looked up. There was a time and a moment in this situation where he turned, and his eyes caught mine, and he looked up. And he lifted his hand, and he said this. I I could still, I could still remember what he said. He said, Daddy, help me. The funny thing was, when he turned and did that, I was already running to him. And so much of life makes us feel like we're underwater, doesn't it? Like you're not going to make it. And I think sometimes we try really hard, and you're trying really hard right now, you're not going to make it. The good news is, God sent Jesus, the rescuer. And what happens is is this. As sin separated us, Jesus now connects us. He connects us by the, 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 the cross. Do you see it? And the cross is incredible. Because the cross is a part of the atonement. The cross is part of Jesus' plan to live a sinless life and die and shed his blood so that you and I can be free from the bondage of sin. That's incredible. And God does an incredible work by sending Jesus and he rescues us through the cross. But the problem is, can I just share something with you guys? I'm going to be respectful, but I want to be truthful. Some of us have left Jesus on the cross. He's not on the cross anymore. Some of us are stuck in Friday. 
And so you might have freedom from sin, but have you ever noticed how once you give your life to Jesus and you're free from that sin, it seems to keep bubbling back up and all the things of life just seem to pull you down and you keep to be underwater? Jesus is not on the cross anymore. Jesus is not in the grave anymore. On Sunday, which is today, interesting, we're sitting in a church and you might feel underwater and you might feel like you're not going to make it. Well, you have good news. The good news is Jesus is the rescuer. Don't keep him on the cross. He ain't on the cross anymore. He came out. And so here's what that means. All the things that are trying to kill you, all the things that death is trying to do inside of your life, Jesus had victory over. So here's the great part. It's like Jesus walks into the schoolyard of your life and says, where's the biggest bully of your life? Show me where he's at. I'm going to take him out. If I can take death out, all the other stuff don't matter. Come on, all the things you need rescuing don't matter. If he could do that, I'm not even saying, look, the Bible's a big book. It really is. It's a big book. There's a lot in it. I'm not even saying for you to believe everything, but start with the resurrection of Jesus Christ. There's nothing been more documented, more systematically proven over history. There's more manuscripts and historical documents that prove the death, burial, and resurrection of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ than any other document. It's the most systematically proven thing, scientifically and historically. Start there. I'm not asking you to believe everything. I'm just start with Jesus. If you start with Jesus, and if he could do that, come on. If he could do that, he can do anything. So some of you in here are caught and underwater in the bondage of fear. Some of you are so afraid, and you lay up at night fearful about your finances and fearful about your marriage and fearful about your job, and you're fearful about your health. You have good news. Jesus, the rescuer, is here. Some of you in here have been struggling with addictions from the beginning of your life. You feel like, man, I don't remember a time when I wasn't struggling with this. Somehow it came into my life, and I can't seem to get out of it. I'm over, uh, over my head. It's, I'm underwater. I don't know how to do it. You need to know that Jesus, your rescuer, is here. Some of you are anxiety-ridden and depression-ridden, and you're fearful and sad and hurt, and you're worried, and you don't know how you're going to get out of it. The good news is Jesus, the rescuer, is here. And he didn't come for those who were cool on the side of the pool. Come on. A lot of churches do church for the people who are already saved, who are already all right, who are already made it. They're hanging out, enjoying life, and y'all are doing the we're two or three and no more. That ain't the way our church is built. We're about reaching people and building lives. And you know what matters is the people who are in the deep end of the pool because Jesus is running after them. And if they're running after, if he's running after them, we should be running after them. So you need to know our church is for you. Your rescuer is here. And then at some point in your life, whether that's you now where you need rescuing right now, you're going to need it in the future. All you have to do, come on church, is look up. Lift your hand. Say, Daddy, help me. That's it. Paul says it. Maybe the best. He says, if you would confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus has been, listen, that Jesus has been raised from the dead. You shall be. What's the word he uses? You shall be. What's the word? What's the word? Saved. Come on, everybody say that with me. Saved. If, if you just believe, then you'll be, you will be rescued. 
I asked you a question earlier in our sermon. Why are you here? You thought you were here because you were invited. You thought you were here because you saw a Facebook ad, maybe you saw a banner. You thought you were here, maybe you walked in here and thought this was Denny's. You, 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 you thought you were here for a different reason. You want to know why you're here? You're here because you and I, we all need rescuing. And guess what? Congratulations. The good news is he's here. He's here.